Hey. Hi. Welcome to the third episode of A Higher Purpose. So I'm here with my lovely friend, Danielle. And I'm really excited to do this. I am too. Yeah. Danielle, I think we met like two years ago. Do you remember the first time we met? Do I remember the first time? I don't, um, was it at Discovery? <laughs> like, did we no. meet, like, set up a meeting at Discovery, or did I meet you another time? We did, we did meet up at Discovery. That was mm-hmm. last year. But we, I remember the first time we met. So at Discovery was when we really got to know each other. Yes. Um, Discovery, for those who might not know, is like a local coffee shop in Victoria. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so we actually met at two years ago at Perks Recreation. You came for book five. Were you book five? It was um oh, I don't know if you remember, there was a bunch of people there. It was like um multiple study circles that came together. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. I remember that yeah and it was in that gym it was in one of the rooms when you first walk in it was one of the first rooms yeah 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 i remember i remember i remember i remember i think we took a picture that day i'm not sure if i still have that picture but i think we took a picture that day oh nice (laughs) i don't remember that but it's funny how people remember different things (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's very true (laughs) so essentially you had these friends in the Tilikum neighborhood and then I also met those friends and then we met together through that connection um, through I guess like efforts of the junior youth spiritual empowerment program Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and then you went to Ottawa last fall so I didn't get to see you for a long time. Yeah, I've been gone in Ottawa for the past year. Year and a half, eight months? Eight months. Yeah. How was that? I mean, you told me recently how that was a little bit when we met up um, last week, but um, like, it would be cool to hear like how that was like moving you know, across the country for school um for your first year like how was that yes it was um it was a very big change (laughs) for those of you um that know the geography of Canada um I have been born and raised in Victoria BC and so it's uh on Vancouver Island kind of like a little nest away from the city life and all of that it's still a relatively um not large but (laughs) medium-sized city and uh, a lot goes on here, but I've been used to the kind of small city life and lived here all my life with my family. And then in fall of 2019, I moved to Ottawa at the University of Ottawa, uh, which is like Carmel mentioned across the country. <laughs> and a lot of things were different. Uh, the size of the city, for me personally, it went from small slash medium sized Victoria to very, very large uh buildings that were up to like 20 feet high there weren't that many tall buildings but 
it was definitely a lot bigger than Victoria, more than two highways, <laughs> um, big city. And then on top of that, uh, I was going to live by myself in residence. So that was a different experience in itself too. Um, and it was a lot of different things, a lot of change. And Victoria is a lot more of a scenic place with the mountains and the ocean and everything going on around here, which is a lot more nature-based. And in Ottawa, there's still nature, but I guarantee there's more buildings and homes and apartments and, you know, restaurants and stuff other than mountains. Um, there isn't mountains. <laughs> there are a few hills and lakes, but it is nothing compared to the scenery around Victoria. So it was very different for me to go from what I was used to, very small, um, to somewhere very big. And I think one of the biggest changes I mentioned to Carmel, um, all throughout high school and growing up, I thought I was some extroverted person that was, you know, outgoing and whatever. And going to Ottawa, I don't think that changed drastically. I just realized very much so that I was a little bit more of an introvert than I thought. And uh, <laughs> being approached by people uh, often brought up nerves. And I was like, oh, someone new. <laughs> and, and the thing with university, especially the first week of university, is you meet new people every, like, minute, <laughs> if, not, if not more. Because everyone's there and it's kind of the same, like, shocking experience of not being home and everyone's trying to make friends and everyone's saying hi and trying to get to know you and everything and I was just like overload <laughs> I want to go home and read books <laughs> and another shock was being so far away from home because I hadn't been so far away for so long so yeah it was a lot of change a lot of a lot of change yeah that, that it takes a lot of courage like I commend you it for doing it at this age like I came like I also made that change of coming across the country three years ago, but I was 25. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I mean, I think regardless of age, it's still a big change, but yeah, it takes a lot of courage. So yeah, yeah I can relate for sure. Um, I would love to hear, I know you went to a peace rally yesterday for the Black Lives Matter movement. So I would love to hear how that went. It was actually, um, I have, I am, uh, my program in university is actually conflict studies and human rights. So I am very much so anything that's related to human rights or um, injustices, I am an advocate for those. And um, I myself am a black woman. And so all that's been going on for the past two weeks was I don't even want to say it's shocking because it's it's a known fact that that kind of thing goes on in the United States, but it was heartbreaking and it was a lot going on. Whether it was you open Instagram and it was a bunch of posts or all of all of the comments, what people were saying, it was a lot going on. And so yesterday, um, I attended a peace rally with peace rally with most of my cousins, and my father was there, my little brother was there. And it was a crazy experience. I'd been to a couple of protests and rallies before um, out in Ottawa and in Victoria, but it was different to see so many people come together for Black people. Because having grown up in Victoria, if I'm being frankly honest, um, I went to a Francophone school and 
other than me, the only black people in the school were either related to me or family friends. So I didn't know that there were that many black people in Victoria at all. And I met more people as I was growing up and everything, but it wasn't an issue that was ever addressed within the community in Victoria. You know, people didn't talk about um, the stares black people got or the experience of being black. And it was kind of, even in school, like we'd all go to the pool or we'd all go to the lake or whatever. And people would be like, why are you putting so much lotion on? Or, oh my God, your hair got frizzier or or all of these things. And it's like, I feel like more so um, in Victoria and in Canada, people didn't understand what it was to be black and the reality of a black person, the lived experience of black people. And in Canada, um, I have a friend that's from the States. And so he explained to me and it's noticeable as well, but the racism that goes on in the United States is a lot more direct like the the white people and the other people over there that are anti-black will go around with their confederate flags and they're very explicit about their um thoughts whereas in canada it's a lot more subtle like it's known that that's not accepted in society so people it's like microaggressions little things in the workplace or when you walk into a store things like that um so yeah growing up racism was a thing that I understood it wasn't a thing that I understood as explicitly um as Americans or as I did when I got to Ottawa because the disparity and the divide there was obvious um the peace rally yesterday though it was beautiful to see so many people especially in Victoria come out for black people because even as one of the speakers had mentioned um she said said that she was speaking to someone and the person mentioned they made a comment or whatever and they were like oh I thought there were like only seven people black people in Victoria and it just went to show how many first of all black people there are in Victoria and how many people stand with black people and are and are here for us and will stand against the racism and will say something and I just hope that um it doesn't the action that's gone on in the upcoming revolution that's been going on won't just be a momentary thing or a trend but it's something that people actually instill in their hearts to get rid of the hatred and to stand up against the things that they hear whether they're black or not because the reality of the matter um it just went to show with all the people that were standing there that at the end of the day race the color of your skin it shouldn't matter because on the inside we're all human we have the same organs we have the same blood running through our veins and our hearts pump the same way. So yeah, it was beautiful to see. It really was beautiful to see. And I don't think I've ever seen that many people like gather together in Victoria either. So yeah, yeah it was an incredible experience. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really, um, really helpful to hear. Um, I heard there was 9,000 people yesterday yeah. peace rally and i didn't even i was um on on this at the beginning i was towards the back and then as it went i um got in front and we were on the stage with my cousins one of my cousins um spoke but i couldn't even from the stage i could see all of the people that i didn't but i couldn't see the length that it went to and um a lot of my friends were in the crowds and one of them told me that it was actually because it we were meeting in centennial square which is kind of a central part in victoria and um, one of my friends were telling me that the crowd of people actually streamed out on the street 
to, I think it's uh, Government Street or something, the street right behind, um, adjacent to Douglas, but people were all the way up to the CTV office. Do you know where that is? Yeah, people were rallied all the way up there and there weren't cars going down that road. And it was like, it was a real thing. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. You couldn't even see the end of the people, the crowd. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really interesting. Also, you were just sharing earlier that when you were growing up, there was, it sounded like there was a lot of maybe misunderstanding or ignorance around like yeah even just the reality of this pop like black population of victoria correct um yeah i think that's it seems to be a pattern in a lot of especially in smaller towns or in this case a medium-sized town Um, Mm -hmm. i grew up in aurelia ontario And I recently read a post on Facebook the other day of this um, young woman who grew up there. Um, Her dad was Jamaican, so she was Mm -hmm. half, she was mixed. And um, she was just sharing how, like just the several blatant ways that people were very racist to her and her father. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really sad like I couldn't believe it because this was an area I grew up in they moved right. there in 1997 I moved there with my family in 2001 so a few years later mm-hmm. and to just hear the things that happened the things that they had to face like um, in those several years after that for example people would come to uh, her family's home and like physically threaten her father um, knowing that if he tried to defend himself they could report him to the police Mm -hmm. which is like really sickening actually to Mm -hmm. think about that process um it it just goes to show on top of what all that's been going on, the amount of um, racism and hate that's gone on before we had phones, before we were able to record the instances and record the the racism itself and record what people were saying and hold people accountable. Um, and it, it begs the question of how much has gone on without people being there to witness or without cameras being there to witness, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's so much we don't even know that's probably happened so often, maybe daily even, Mm -hmm. in Canada. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. like, you shared a little bit about this earlier on in our conversation. Like, you would be reading um, posts on Instagram recently or other areas on social media around, like, this... Um, I guess incidents that have happened in this past several weeks and I wanted to ask you like a little bit more on like we've heard you know there was this incident with um, Ahmad Arbery did I pronounce his name right? Mm -hmm. 
and George Floyd, mm -hmm. the most recent um, case. Mm -hmm. And these incidents have um, sparked a lot of conversation. There's been so many protests and rallies and um, riots, not only in Canada and the US, but in Europe, I've heard, in Africa, in China, like all over the world. And yep. I would love to hear just a little bit more on for you yourself, like what thoughts or conversations have started with um, like these incidents and these stories that we've been hearing in the news? Um, conversations. I think one, uh, another thing that's important to uh, mention slash highlight is there was the incident with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, but there was also a woman, Breonna Taylor, who was um, shot and killed in her house because the police got the wrong house. And I feel like a lot of, in a lot of cases, um, the stories where black women are killed or hurt or abused go unsaid. So yeah, that's just one that I wanted to mention. But um, surrounding those incidences, I think I want to say, a lot of positive conversations have come out of it. Um, conversations where people have searched for um, more information and searched for better understanding and context, etc. Um, and it's also been eye-opening and heartwarming to see the amount of people that aren't Black that have also been open to having these conversations because conversations about about the black experience and about who we are and the appropriation and the pain and all that's gone on in our lives often only happen amongst black people and i think something that was sparked out of these incidences recently is um more people are searching to understand to better understand what the reality is for us on a daily basis and um I think that's important and it has worth and it has merit towards it. Um, also, also, I was going to say, though, on the other hand, you know, this, they say the grass is always greener. There is always the side that isn't um, all that positive. And I don't, um, I don't often highlight it or talk about it all that much, but I do believe that it deserves to be acknowledged because there is misinformation that is being spreaded and there is um, misunderstanding or ignorance or people that aren't comprehending to the full extent. Um, the gravity of, for example, the words of the President of the United States. Um, I'm going to refrain from saying his name, but uh, someone actually messaged me. There was a post, a tweet, um, from the president, and he said that he called the people that were um, rioting and looting thugs, and then he said, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And someone had messaged me, I think it was the most shocking message or conversation I had to have, but they had messaged me uh, justifying what the president had said and saying that he's right because what they're doing is wrong, and so they can be described as thugs and um, he wasn't justifying the looting and shooting part, but the thugs part was one that um, he didn't understand. 
And so when he messaged me that, the first question that I asked him, and I, I said, do you understand the weight that that word carries? Because oftentimes it is a lack of education or a lack of understanding of context um, of the history of words or the, the pain and the grief that words have. And he answered me with the dictionary definition of thug, of a thug. And um, when I answered him, I said, yes, that's what the dictionary says, but do you know how that word has been used and manipulated in the past to portray black people that were just simply living their lives and going about their days and they were, they were called thugs because of the color of their skin. So um, yeah, to be honest, overall, I think that it is education has come out of um, the incidences. One of the things that my cousin said, she wrote a poem, but in the poem she said, may their pain become our progress. And I think that's really what it's becoming at this point because, um, you know, people, people don't know the weight that certain words carry or the, the, the full extent of the black experience and they don't have the context to fully maneuver these conversations at times especially other people of color and um, white people, they don't understand um, the full bearings of the situation. So yeah, education has come from it. And um, there have been people that have had their, their things to say, but it's important to focus on the positives. Yeah, and the definitely, definitely. Even like, you know, for myself, um, I've always wanted to like continue to educate myself around like the history and everything to do with yeah like what has happened in the lives of black people and in North America and in the U.S. Actually in February I was I when I was visiting my family I ended up watching a lot of films about the slave trade and just like the history American history in particular um, but just through this recent, through these recent conversations and like all these posts that have been taking place um, on Instagram, I've actually been finding it. I've been learning a lot and there's a lot I just realized I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I think like I fully like agree with what you said, like just um, particularly like others. Um, mm -hmm. Um, we just need to continue educating ourselves and like be aware and understand the full context Correct. and breadth of this um, of this situation mm -hmm. so I fully agree and I think you, this poem that you referred to of your cousin correct me if I'm wrong you said let their pain be our progress um, yes yeah I think that's yeah that says a lot do you do you want to share a little bit more about um what maybe she meant by that um well she meant it she meant it in the most direct way mm -hmm. i guess because through all of the pain that has gone on she wasn't saying their pain is in black people because evidently she's black as well but she means the pain like the deaths of the people that have died or that have been um abused by the police or like 
targeted because of racism, followed, hurt, attacked. She meant let their pain, their suffering, what they have endured, let it become our progress in the sense that we now have the concrete evidence. We have the the grounds to show people and to educate people and to start those conversations. You know what I mean? Because Because in so many instances, Black people were talking about racism and police targeting them and all of this stuff for years, for years and years and years, but it was silenced or it was disacknowledged or not spoken as much um, about because there was no concrete proof. Like there was concrete proof evidently, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the videos and there wasn't the recordings. There wasn't the pictures. There wasn't, you could see how, bad it was and in these recent incidents you can see how bad it was and that's that's what she meant by that let their pain become our progress as in let's not let them die in vain yeah or get hurt in vain yeah so what like just in regards to everything that we've talked about um what do you think should be taught in schools? It's like, what do you think young people should be learning about in our education system regarding the Black Lives Movement and just the history of what has happened? Um, that's actually a very interesting question. Uh, as far as, I actually saw a post about it and I agreed with the post to a certain extent. Um, but for me personally, education-wise, they never taught us about slavery or the Black experience or the Harlem Renaissance or, you know, the Underground Railroad and things like that that are hallmarks in Black history, um, Black African-American history, or even they didn't teach us about the apartheid or things like that. And I believe very strongly, especially at the high school level, that those are things that can't go without being taught. Because I feel like nowadays, so often um, history and what is taught in school is so, like, Eurocentric focused. They talk about, you know, the, the silk trade and Columbus traveling the world and... World War II and World War One and the Holocaust and all of these things. But I feel like those things obviously are part of our history, but like me personally, that wasn't the history of my people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can go without mentioning, they did mention it here and there, but they wouldn't talk about slavery and Black people to the same extent that they would talk about um for example, the history of Canada and the Hudson Bay and beavers, you know? And I feel like there are, like, (laughs) I could remember eighth grade, I think we literally spent the whole year learning about beavers and um, the Hudson Bay and the fur trade. And I was like, I, I don't deny that it is part of Canadian history, but there are other parts of Canadian history that have to do with residential schools and that have to do with slavery that um so often goes unsaid and if said very uh briefly said 
And um, I think nowadays, definitely when it comes to indigenous people and their history, Native Americans, we talk about it a lot more in class um, towards the end of my schooling, like grade 10, 11, 12. And even in grade eight, we read um, a book called No Time to Say Goodbye. And same thing, it isn't to the extent that it should be, but we did learn about residential schools and we did learn about um, the history of indigenous people, but the Underground Railroad was not talked about, the racism that went on in Canada, blackface, things like that. I didn't learn about blackface, I think, till like, to be honest, either the ninth or the 10th grade. And it was because of a post that we saw me and my cousins, um, we saw a post of someone in blackface and everyone was talking about how it was racist. And we were like, well, obviously there's something wrong with it, but we didn't understand the history and we didn't understand the context, even as black people. And um, I think that's something that they should talk about in the school system. The, the Where it gets tricky is um, at what level they should talk about it. Because I saw a post the other day that when in lower grades, like grade, like middle school level, um, someone was arguing that they shouldn't talk about um, the brute violence of it and the, the to what extent it has been a very violent reality, um, but more so they should teach people about Black culture, about the people that started Black culture, about Bob Marley and the Whalers about um oh I forget her name right now but she invented the home security system it was a black woman or about oh. Rosa Parks Martin Luther King these people that are yeah. you know known people or even Nelson Mandela the apartheid they should be teaching younger people about the celebration and the growth of um black history and then in the future they they mentioned in high school they should teach them about the reality of it um you know, the lynching, the mobs, the racism, and not to disacknowledge the racism in younger grades. I do think it should be acknowledged, but I don't, I don't believe they should illustrate the violence as explicitly. But it is a thing where they should educate them because even me, I remember being in middle school and my little brother talks to me about it now because middle school even in junior youth that is the age where people are learning the most and they're observing the most and if you don't if you completely negate a part of history and you don't explain to young people in all specificity about black people about their history about why you don't touch black people's hair about why you don't make fun of you know certain parts of a black person and certain parts of black history like cotton fields or whatever um when you don't educate people at that age when they're young that's when that's when um ignorance flourishes and yeah. um miseducation and misinformation spreads mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think you really hit it in the head <laughs> the way you yeah. said it. <laughs> Sorry, I was talking for a while. <laughs> no, no, I think that's amazing. I think, like, that was really helpful to hear. And, yeah, like, I do think the less we're educated on these matters, 
it does lead to ignorance. Mm-hmm. I like to be honest, like growing up myself, even up until my twenties, I'm sure I've said things without realizing like that what I've said implies like a level of ignorance. Um, of course, not intentioned at all. Like, yeah, but um, I think that's really important. And um, if you don't mind me asking, um, this, oh, blackface, you mentioned blackface that you learned about in school. I've never heard of that. Can you tell, tell me a little bit about what that is? It actually, it started, to be honest, I don't know when it started. I think, I believe that it started towards um, the beginning of the 1900s, early 1900s. But basically what it was originally is that people would make, um, it was like a comedy show thing. So people would make caricatures of what, um, of what they believed Black people were further enforcing stereotypes and narratives that I don't agree with personally. But um, basically, it was like a comedy show that they put on to illustrate what Black people were like. And they would illustrate them in a light that wasn't what Black people were, but more so making fun of them. So stereotypes as in like, they have bigger lips, or they walk a certain way, or they talk a certain way, things like that. And um, that's where Blackface started it was originally a comedy show and a caricature of what um, Black people were in the eyes of white people. Um, and over the years, it grew, it grew, I don't even know how to explain what it grew into, but it grew further than that where white people, um, even people in positions of power would simply paint their faces Black. That's what it was. They would paint their faces Black um, to put on Halloween costumes and then they'd talk a certain way and it was supposed to be comedic, but that's not, that's not what it was in all actuality. You know, it had deeper roots because it was making fun and ridiculing a whole race, knowing nothing of that race. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what blackface is. That's interesting. I've never heard of that, but yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, I was thinking I wanted to share a quotation that I felt was relevant to our conversation Um, and Mm -hmm. then maybe like I invite you to share um, thoughts that may come out of that so this is a quotation that's from um, a book called Advent of Divine Justice so this is what it says Let the white make a supreme effort in their resolve to contribute their share to the solution of this problem, to abandon once for all their usually inherent and at times subconscious sense of superiority, to correct their tendency towards revealing a patronizing attitude towards the members of the other race, to persuade them through their intimate, spontaneous, and informal association with them of the genuineness of their friendship and the sincerity of their intentions and to master their impatience of any lack of responsiveness on the part of a people who have received 
for so long a period such grievous and slow healing wounds. So then he further goes on to, sh to explain the role of black, the black people. And he says, through a corresponding effort on their part, show by every means in their power, the warmth of their response, their readiness to forget the past, their ability to wipe out every trace of suspicion that may still linger in their hearts and minds. Let neither think that the solution of so vast a problem is a matter that exclusively concerns the other. Let neither think that such a problem can either easily or immediately be resolved. So this quotation was also kind of shared. Um, the context was concerning um, this concept of freedom from prejudice, which is one of three spiritual prerequisites that um, he talks about. So uh, it's a long quotation, but I just thought it was really interesting and very relevant to the, t like, the conversations that are happening right now. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I think so too. Um, we one thing about that, I agree with the quote overall 110%, but I don't think um, there should be a willingness on either part to forget because I think it's the acknowledgement of the past that is necessary to move forwards towards education and the oneness and unity amongst all. But I think it is necessary to rather forgive and um, not forget but to acknowledge and figure out how to move forward, you know? Because through all that has gone on, I think on both sides, this is actually something, um, I think it was something that Kiki Palmer was talking about. She recorded herself speaking, but she mentioned that what had gone on in the history with slavery and um discrimination and segregation and all of that it wasn't only a trauma on the side of black people but also trauma on the side of white people because and it's often the trauma on the side of white people that is disacknowledged because it's not necessarily a physical or marking trauma neither is it on the side of black people but for white people the trauma that went on with them that we don't really speak on as much mm -hmm. is the hate that was taught and yeah. um the 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 difference of race equating to someone being lesser you know mm -hmm. and i think that trauma and that mentality is what needs to be unlearned acknowledged and and um addressed overall because it's that trauma that has led to racism to this day to police brutality and to all of that. And referring to what the quote was saying, um, at the end of the day, there's no way to move forward unless we're united and unless everybody can stand together um, and fight for one another, believe in one another and love one another, you know? And that's what, that was a response to that was said in many of the posters that people made at protests across the world. But, um, it's because often, um, often, <laughs> shouldn't be as often, but the original argument against Black Lives Matter was that all lives matter. 
And um, on a lot of the posters and a lot of the things, it said, all lives can't matter until Black lives matter, right? Because right now the focus isn't that all lives matter. Nobody said all lives don't matter. Um, the focus is that Black lives matter because what has gone on has proven to, has gone to prove that to some people it's almost seemingly like black lives don't matter you know yeah so yeah sure. all lives can't matter until black lives matter and through that that is when unity and togetherness can come into play yeah, yeah for sure actually just to to share in response to that somebody posted <laughs> something really interesting regarding the this idea of like when someone's someone says all lives matter in response to black lives matter how hurtful that actually is mm -hmm. um the way it was worded was very interesting mm. it was like saying it first started out saying if i go to my spouse or maybe i think it was if my spouse tells me do you love me and in response saying i love everyone while that mm -hmm. may be true, it can, like, you know, it can be hurtful at the same time mm -hmm. to Correct. just hear, I love everyone. Um, Correct. And it gave a few other examples that were really interesting. Um, or, you know, if, if my mother died, for example, and someone was to say, we all die at one point. Mm -hmm. The pain of the loss, the loss of my mother, for example, that would be like, again, there is a truth to it. Sure, we do all die at the end of the day, mm -hmm. but my pain is not being acknowledged. So at the same time, that's, that's in connection to someone saying all lives matter when, when this idea of Black Lives Matter is, mm -hmm. is mentioned. So... I think it is important to make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. There have been a few examples that have come up recently um, when talking about the All Lives Matter thing because it can be not it can it can be refuted so easily if you look further than the tip of your nose, you know what I mean? Cause I think one of them that that one that you just mentioned, um, was very similar but someone was saying it's as if you if your dad died god forbid anybody's father passes but um as if your father passed and you're at a service for your father's funeral that you organized you have his picture up and then all of a sudden someone comes in with a picture of their dead dad and puts it in front of yours and says my dead dad matters too or says all dead dads matter <laughs> that's not the point <laughs> you know it's a funeral for someone's father specifically so you can't just storm in and completely negate the the pain and what's going on in someone else's life you know yeah. and I think um the other one that was mentioned that stood out to me I was raised um in a Christian family my family is, is Christian um, and we've been going to church since we were little, but um, someone referred to the instance where Jesus was speaking to his people on a hill, and he told them that poor people are good, 
And someone said, it's as if someone in the crowd stood up and said, well, God, all people are good. Again, that's not what is being referred to. It's the people that are less fortunate or the people that are hurting that are being highlighted. And you can't just completely disavow that by declaring another statement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful example. Um, well, I think that's, we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but I'm so thankful that we were able to do this. Me too. Um, yeah. It was really good. Yeah. I appreciated speaking. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm open to doing this again, maybe with, as a follow-up conversation, because I think also, like, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, it's not, we know it's not something that's just quick and fast. Like, it is an Correct. ongoing conversation. Correct. Yeah. And I think just going back to the, your, your cousin's poem, like, um, pain like this idea of pain leading to progress like i think these are things we need to learn about if we are to eventually one day work like work towards the oneness of mankind and achieve that there will be pain involved mm -hmm. um correct i know in the baha'i teachings we're told that one day we will become one soul and imagine mm -hmm. like with all the hurt that's happened like to go to from from this all this pain and hurt to becoming one soul imagine how much like healing and reconciliation and tremendous effort that's going to be needed mm -hmm. so, yeah mm -hmm. yeah um well i, I hope we get to talk soon and this was really fun yes Thank you, Carmel. I appreciated speaking with you. Thank you.